but I'm going ahead and uh, muting you all so we can move towards getting started. We are recording, so good reminder that uh, that, that is happening at the moment. Um, it's lovely to see you all here today. I know, uh, I'll just say it now, that many of you, hopefully all of you have seen the email from me yesterday stating that Katya Nemec has resigned as our Children, Youth, and Family Minister, um, which is heartbreaking on a number of, le of levels. We are going to have some time to discuss that uh, after the service. And so I welcome uh, your questions, your prayers. I know that's on people's minds. Um, it's on my mind as well. And so I'm grateful that we have some space to gather and be here today to talk about it. And we'll be continuing to talk about it. Um, so... Uh, Please stick around after the service is over so we can continue that conversation. Our uh, musicians are working from home today to, uh, after feeling a little bit under the weather, COVID precautions require that we not be in the same space. So they'll be leading us uh, from their various homes, which we are grateful for. Everything you need is in the bulletin that was emailed out to you earlier this morning. And if our musicians are ready, we can go ahead and get started with the prelude. service continues singing together our opening hymn which I will share on my screen for us.
I don't get any sound. I'm here. We continue in our bulletin on page four with our Sunday blessing, which my family has both graciously and possibly without choice offered to lead for us today. Loving God, heal our hearts, transform our relationships, and transfigure our lives so that we too might dazzle in love and dream and live more like Jesus. Can we say together? Amen. Amen. Ready? Oh, we don't blow all of them up. <laughs> Just three. Okay. And Jesus was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. Can we say together, Ellie? We pray for all in our church family at Emmanuel. May God be with all of us in darkness and in light. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We continue together uh, with the confession on page five. Let us confess our sins against God and one another. Almighty God, source of all that is, giver of every good gift, you create all people in your image and call us to love one another as you love us. 
We confess that we have failed to honor you in the great diversity of the human family. We have desired to live in freedom while building walls between ourselves and others. We've longed to know and, ex and accepted for who we are while making judgments of others based on the color of skin or the shape of features or the varieties of human experiences. We have tried to love our neighbors individually while yet benefiting from systems that hold those same neighbors in oppression. Forgive us, holy God. Give us eyes to see you as revealed in all people. Strengthen us for the work of reconciliation rooted in love. Restore us in your image to be beloved community, united in our diversity, even as you are one with Christ and the Holy Spirit, holy and undivided Trinity, now and forever. Amen. And normally at this spot, we would have the Kyrie. Kevin and Caroline, if I'm correct, we're going to have to wait till you're back in the space to do that. So we will continue on with the collect for the day. God be with you and also with you. Let us pray. O oh God, whose glory it is always to have mercy. Be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word, Jesus Christ, your son, who with you in the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Genesis. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I'll make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God, to be you and to your offspring after you. I said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not be call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall give to nations. Kings of people will come for her. Hear what the spirit of is saying to God's people. Thanks be to Thanks God. Thanks be to God. Um, we will play pray the psalm responsibly. Praise the Lord, you who fear him. Stand in awe of him, O offspring of Israel. All you of Jacob's line give glory. For he does not despise nor abhor the poor in their poverty, neither does he hide his face from them. But when they cry to him, he hears them. My praise is over him in the great assembly. I will perform my vows in the presence of those who worship him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied, and those who seek the Lord shall praise him. May your heart live forever. 
All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall bow before him. For kingship belongs to the Lord. He rules over the nations. To him alone all who sleep in the earth bow down and worship. All who go down to the dust fall before him. My soul shall live for him. My descendants shall serve him. They shall be known as the Lord's forever. They shall come and make known to a people yet unborn. The saving deeds that he has done. A reading from the book of Romans. For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there neither is there violation. For this reason, it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, for he is the father of all of us, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations, according to what was said, so numerous shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Therefore, his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now the words, it was reckoned to him, were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us to believe in him, who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead who was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. Here with the Spirit saying to God's people, thanks be to God. Bless the Lord my soul and Who leads us in? 
The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus began to teach his disciples that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who want to lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and the holy angels. Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Over the past uh, six weeks, I've had the pleasure of leading a class with Rabbi Jay Rosenbaum, an interfaith dialogue between Jews and Christians, which has been enlightening and life-giving. As we've explored the issues of anti-Semitism, of our various belief structures, our understandings of God's agency in the world, how we understand reconciliation, forgiveness, and our fight to bring truth and light into the world. It was, it was a series of hard conversations, but they were rooted in relationship that was life-giving and holy. And coming out the other side of it, I give great thanks for all who are vulnerable enough to put themselves into that place. It requires great vulnerability to wrestle with our texts, to wrestle with our faith, to wrestle with our communities. To show up and engage in these conversations is not easy. Just being present and being there makes all the difference in the world. It is not unlike what we do every Sunday. We show up and we wrestle with texts, texts that might be hard, to hear things that might challenge us, that might make us uncomfortable, but still we continue to show up, to wrestle and to do that work. This particular gospel is one that requires some wrestling. This theme that runs through it, that to follow Jesus is not only difficult, but dangerous is one that shows up in various places in the gospel. It's also one that can be somewhat perverted to say that to be a follower of Jesus, you must suffer or that God requires us to be miserable or to suffer to be good Christians. This is the type of gospel that gets twisted and turned in those ways that can be used to justify staying in abusive situations or that can be used even out of context to think of ourselves and our in own individual faith 
our own ways in which we should deny ourselves to be closer to God without thinking of how it relates to the community. All of these ways of interpreting this gospel miss the point. It's a complex text that requires us to think of it not only in the context of our own times, but in the context of when it was written, of what it's trying to say, of how we've traditionally heard it said, and what it means for us in the end. In encountering this text, I'm particularly reflective of the time I've spent in this Jewish Christian class. Because the first challenge we have is to think that we can universally apply this text to mean the same thing to all people. This is common, right? We want to find that one message, that one piece of good news that can be universally applied to all people in, in all places. There's something beautiful in that, right? That all of us can be equal and the same so that the gospels can speak the same truth to every person at the same time. And yet, that's exactly where we get into trouble, because we are not all the same. We are all unique and holy and different. We come from different experiences, and we live in different ways in the world. The way in which we interpret the gospel requ requires us to honor those differences. Jesus preached differently to different people. He had different messages for those who are powerful versus those who are weak. Jesus did not have one universal statement saying, do this and you are my follower, but instead often tempered what he was saying to be about a particular group in his particular socioeconomic status. So when we look at this text, we have to situate ourselves, our community, and what it's saying to us then. One of the fascinating pieces about the Jewish Christian class was the way in which Jay and I realized, Rabbi Jay, the, my co-teacher, that our traditions required us to approach different concepts in different, uh, the, the same concept in different ways because of the way in which our traditions lived in our current world. Christianity has often been afforded a place of power and dominance in the world. It is quite common to be Christian in the United States. We are a people, at least in most of our experiences, where we have not faced persecution because we are Christians. Now, there are Christians in the world who have experienced that, but that's not the predominant experience of those in our community or those who are taking our Jewish Christian relations class. The same cannot be said of Judaism. Judaism has long been a religion where people have been mistreated, dehumanized, and exterminated because of their faith and their background. There is a huge power differential dif uh, difference between the two traditions. And so as Jay and I talked about various concepts about especially how hard we work for justice or truth, how much we're willing to sacrifice in the world, it became clear that the places of power within our traditions required different action. Jay, Rabbi Jay spoke to moments of needing to change expectations in order for self-preservation. That to fight the good fight 
as far as he could, could mean elimination for the Jewish people. That such fights for liberty, for the kingdom of God's reign, would be detrimental to the survival of the Jewish people. My response to the same concept was different because as a Christian, someone who is afforded a great deal of privilege just because my faith is in dominant culture, I find a different way in which I am called to struggle, to fight for freedom, for liberty, for justice, for the truth of the gospel, and for the favor of all who Jesus seeks to heal and free those who are marginalized in our world. The difference in power requires different things from different people. So what does this all have to do with the gospel? Jesus is speaking about suffering, about pain, about the danger of the cross. And this speaks differently to us if we find ourselves in positions of power. In our community, we are not one thing, but we are overwhelmingly in positions of privilege because of our socioeconomic status, the stability of our congregation, and in many ways because we are a predominantly homogenous community in the color of our skin and our status in society. That requires something different from us as we encounter a gospel like the one we do today. It requires us to see exactly what is being challenged for those in power in a text such as this. Theologian Raquel St. Clair, an African-American womanist theologian, examines this particular text starting with the word must. The gospel starts, Jesus began to teach his disciples that the son of man must undergo great suffering. Theologian St. Clair says, when we look at the word must, we often ascribe to it that God required certain things, that God required suffering. This is a common theme in our theology of Christ's death. But the must here should not be interpreted as a must from God the divine, but a must because of what society and the political status required. The son of man must suffer, undergo great suffering because that is what the political state of the world required of someone speaking the truths that Jesus did. The son of man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. If we understand that text to be speaking not to some great preordained action by God, but instead the inevitable result of God's truth being spoken in a world and in a way that challenged political authority, it takes on a very different meaning. 
for a text that has upheld suffering as being righteous, for a text that has been upheld as saying, being a Christian is going to be hard, for a text that has been used to push people in some ways to stay in situations that are unhealthy for them, we see it differently. We cannot proclaim a gospel that, that says that God requires suffering. It has been a great sin of the Christian faith that we have so continually done so. God does not require suffering. God did not require Christ's pain. Instead, that is the inevitable result of God's interaction with the world as it is. Our job is to take our, these messages and to do the work so that the world we live in is not the world as it is, but the world as it could be. That is the message of hope that we hear over and over again from Christ. The world as it could be. It means uncomfortable clashes with the way things are. It requires us to do hard work. But especially for those of us who find ourselves in comfortable places of power and privilege, we are going to get wholly uncomfortable as we come out the other side of it. I wasn't sure coming into today how much to speak to the situation that we're currently in at Emmanuel. To know that a member of our staff is leaving because of what they experienced in our community is painful. And it's an open wound and usually we say you shouldn't preach from open wounds. But I didn't want to be inauthentic because it's what's on my mind and I'm sure what is on your minds. And of course, encountering a gospel like this, <laughs> I couldn't help but feel that the Holy Spirit was pushing something across. I am heartbroken and sad. And I have great belief in our ability to be the kingdom of God here at Emmanuel. I, I know that God is calling us to do hard and uncomfortable work. And I deeply believe in our ability to do it. I recognize that this is not work all of us feel ready to do. But I do know it is work that God is equipped to journey alongside us with. Theologian St. Clair speaks of Audre Lorde and Emile Towns, both well-known writers 
theologians in their own right. And they challenge the way in which we think of the words suffering and pain. They say that suffering is a way in which oppression is maintained. But pain can be an agent of transformation. What we are doing here and now, the truths that we are naming, is a movement away from suffering, which holds us in a place of maintaining oppression and uses our power instead to transform us to work that yes, is painful, but painful in a way that can be transformative and changing. It takes deep love of a community and people. It takes deep love of one another for us to be brave enough to do that work. It took great bravery for Katya to speak her truths to this community but I believe it comes out of a place of deep love. In many ways, you can see it in Jesus and Peter in this gospel. Jesus loves Peter. Peter's going to inherit the keys to the church. He becomes the foundation of this church, you know, besides Jesus, the first leader of it. And even he, Jesus is willing to say, gets it wrong sometimes. Deep love is necessary to name truths. And truths are what will move us from suffering to pain in the spirit of transformation. My prayer for myself, for all of us, is that we can bravely and tenderly journey with one another in the work that is ahead of us, recognizing that we have great power and privilege and that ultimately our goal is that all people can exist in the kingdom of God in their unique and authentic ways without being subjected to pain, or to suffering. I know that God is with us. This Lent, this day, this gospel turns us towards the cross, towards the hard journey we have ahead of us. And I know that is true for our community and for myself, but I pray that we can take that journey together. Amen. We continue our service professing our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation, 
He came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. And virtually we greet one another. May the peace of the Lord be always with you and also with you. As we hear our offertory, I'll remind you that the information of how to text to give for our virtual passing the plate is available in your bulletin. And we give thanks for all the gifts from God that you give to help make the community and our ministry here possible. Peace, let us pray to the Lord, saying, Kyrie eleison. Let us pray for the church and for the world. <clears throat> God of love, we pray for your church, for Michael, our presiding bishop, Greg, our bishop, for all lay and ordained ministers, and for all who seek you in the community of the faithful. Equip us with compassion and love to carry out your work of reconciliation in the world. God of love, Hear our prayers for the church. 
Hear our prayers for the church. God of freedom, we pray for our nation and all the nations of the world, for peace and unity across barriers of language, color, and creed, for elected and appointed leaders, that they would serve the common good, inspire all people with courage to speak out against hatred, to actively resist evil, unite the human family in bonds of love. God of freedom, hear our prayer for the world. God of justice, we pray for the earth, your creation entrusted to our care, for the animals and birds, the mountains and oceans, and all parts of your creation that have no voice of their own. Stir up in us a thirst for justice that protects the earth and all its resources, that we may leave to our children's children the legacy of beauty and abundance that you have given us. God of justice, hear the earth. God of peace, we pray for this community, for our local leaders, for our schools and markets, for our neighborhoods and workplaces. Kindle in every heart a desire for equality, respect, and opportunity for all. Give us courage to strive for justice and peace among all people, beginning here at home. Bless those celebrating birthdays this week, in particular, David Bachman, Marsha Polk, and Mark Hall. God of peace. Hear our prayers. Hear our prayer for this community. God of mercy, we pray for all in any kind of need or trouble, for those whose lives are closely linked with ours and those connected to us as part of the human family, for refugees and prisoners, for the sick and suffering, the lonely and despairing, for those facing violence, for all who are held down by prejudice or injustice. Awaken in us compassion and humility of spirit as we seek and serve Christ in all pursuits. And especially, we, we pray for those on our prayer list this week, Jillian Barlow, Jim Cameron, Digby Coleman, Jupe Compton, Glenn Crosby, Glorian Crosby, Deanna Glenn, Diane Goodman, Mark Hall, Lorna Hamill, Bob Hayward, Anna Hooper, Rosemary Howell, Peter McEnheimer, Linda Mullen, Claire Parkinson, Pam Rhodes, Karen Rowley, Ron Smith, Vicki Smith, Don Snow, Reed Ellis Sullivan, William Victory, Vivian, Ann Walsh, Julie Wiegand, Peter Wiley, and Katya Nemec. God of mercy. Hear our prayers for the God of grace, we pray for those who have died, particularly Evelyn Kenny and those who mourn, for the faithful in every generation who have worked for justice, for prophets who called us to racial reconciliation, for martyrs who died because of hatred, and for all the communion of saints. Make us faithful to your call to proclaim your good news by word and example, and bring us at last into the glorious company of the saints in light. God of grace, hear our prayers for those who have died.
Hear our prayers, holy God. Breathe your spirit over us and all the earth, the area that barriers would crumble and divisions cease. Make us more fully your co-healers of the broken world. Unite us with all people in bonds of love, that the whole earth and all its peoples may be at peace through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Together we pray as Christ taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Together we pray for spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are truly present in the blessed sacrament of the altar. I desire to offer you praise and thanksgiving as I proclaim your resurrection. I love you above all things and long for you in my soul. Since I cannot receive you in the sacrament of your body and blood, come spiritually into my heart. Cleanse and strengthen me with your grace, Lord Jesus, and let me never be separated from you. May I live in you and you in me in this life and the life to come. Amen. For those who are celebrating birthdays this week, David Bachman, Marsha Polk, I know is here, Mark Hall. Do we have any other birthdays or anniversaries? Anyone you want to call out as having a birthday or anniversary that's trying to hide on their screen? All right. Well, let us pray together the birthday and anniversary prayer. Watch over your children, O Lord, as their days increase. Bless and guide them wherever they may be. Strengthen them when they stand. Comfort them when discouraged or sorrowful. Raise them up if they fall. And in their hearts may your peace, which passes all understanding, abide all the days of their lives through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us bow together before the Lord. Grant, Almighty God, that your people may recognize their weaknesses and put their whole trust in your strength so that they may rejoice forever in the protection of your loving providence through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And together we will join in our closing hymn, which I will share on my screen.
Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you everyone for being here today and Carlos, we can go ahead and stop recording now.